it's been quite a few weeks since we've heard from our beloved lead pastor, Charles Park. Uh, he's been on a summer break, which uh, sounds a little more fun than it actually was. He's going to tell you a little bit how, how that all went. But would you welcome, once again, Dr. Charles Park. Talk about a rousing welcome. Oh, my gosh. I should get sick more often. Amazing. Well, welcome, everyone, especially those of you who are visiting. It's good to see you guys. I hope you had a good summer. Personally, I had a pretty horrible summer. You know, many of you know that I have a chronic back problem due to degenerated discs. Well, one of them, the one between L4 L5, decided to throw a conniption this summer. Uh, it got torn. Uh, you know, disc is this uh, soft gel in between your vertebrae to absorb the shock wherever you are walking or whatever. And it's surrounded by this thick band called the annulus band to keep that soft gel inside. Well, in my case, it got torn, that annulus band. And when that gets torn, it's not good because that soft thing inside leaks out oozes out, and it's very acidic. So you know what's right next to your discs in your spinal column? It's your central nerve system, right? So you don't want to put acid on your central nerve system. It's not fun. Your whole body freaks out. So, you know, wasn't good. On the upside, on the positive side, I, I got as many and as much pain medication as I could get. <laughs> All kinds of narcotics. There's so many bottles at our house right now, I could open up a pharmacy. You know? But, you know, kidding aside, even with all the pain meds, I still had trouble sleeping. It was just really a lot of pain. Well, this happened right as our summer vacation started. Caroline and I, uh, we get one month off every year in July. And we take this time to travel, go to Korea, visit our family there, get refreshed. And this time, we had exciting plans. We had planned to go visit Caroline's brother in Australia. Because she, he was working there for just a few years. So we wanted to take advantage of the fact that we have a relative there. And so go, enjoy. When, when are we ever going to go to Australia, right? So we had like these plans to just go all over, just have just one of the most. You know, our kids are growing up now. They are 16, 13, 10. We wanted to like make this this special, you know, memory-making, unforgettable summer. And this thing happens right as we are about to go. So that's tough, right? It's 30 hours of flight time to Australia where her brother is. That's a little too much with someone with a, a ruptured disc, right? But, you know, this has happened to me before. In fact, this is the third time in three years. It just keeps kind of getting torn, you know? And before, I could manage. And I'm used to this now, you know? I'm a veteran of this thing. And after seven days, doctors say, after seven days, those torn tissues become scar tissue, 
and then it keeps the uh, gel inside again, and you start to rehab, and you get better. And so I thought, okay, you know, it's going to get better. I know this routine. I know how this goes. In the past, I could, I could travel. You know, after a few days, I could travel with pain, but I can manage. And so we made the decision that I would skip the Australia portion. That's just a little too much, 30 hours of flight, right? And we don't know, you know, what it's going to be like. But, you know, they, my family will go back to Korea after Australia trip, and I will meet them in Korea, you know, so that it won't be a complete waste, right? It just felt so depressing to think that, okay, I'm just going to miss out on the whole thing, you know? I mean, this thing, it will heal, So I will go meet them in Korea. It was like the goal that I was working towards. You know, I'm going to get better. You know, this is, uh, I'm one of those people, I'm optimistic. I need a goal. This is my goal. This is what gives me hope that I'm going to make it. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's painful now, but, you know, resurrection power. It's going to happen. I'm going to go to Korea. That was the the marker of hope for me. Except, I I had another accident, like in the middle of this. I was on the floor, trying to see if I could watch TV lying down. And then I was trying to get up, and I slipped. And I just kind of like grabbed whatever I could. There was a couch nearby, and then I just kind of tore it up real good, you know? So after this, it got so bad. It was the worst I've ever experienced. I couldn't sit. I couldn't walk. I couldn't even talk. You know, like talking hurt. I guess there would be like some vibrations and then like, you know, like even that little vibration would like cause it to. So some of you visited me while I was, you know, laid out and I would be like, You know, normally I talk a lot, but right now I can't talk, so you talk. (laughs) Remember that, some of you guys? I just, you know, a a few weeks before this, all this happened, I had prayed to God very seriously. I even preached about this. I had prayed to God about my habit and tendency to mansplain. Do you guys know that word, mansplain? It's when men unnecessarily explain and expound on everything, on and on. You know, it's like when you watch Olympics and you you hear these announcers. (laughs) These men really do mansplain when they're swimming. It's like, oh, the lane three, they're going ahead, they're ahead, they're pulling up. It's like, we can see all this. Why are you like (laughs) yelling? It's a classic example of mansplaining, and I I really am guilty of that. Because, you know, I'm a preacher. You know, I'm just so used to preaching that being preachy is like my second nature. It's 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 an occupational hazard, right? So I really didn't like it, especially my teenage daughters really hate it when I mansplain. So I had asked God, you know, please help me stop doing this. And God made it very hard for me to talk, (laughs) period. 
I guess that's one way to take care of mansplain, right? Be careful what you ask for, right? Anyway, so I'm hoping that this really like lasts for me, that I would learn to listen more, you know? Because I really like, for about a month, I just got into the habit of not talking, (laughs) you know? But anyway, so it was really hard. It got so bad, I ended up with shingles. You know, you guys know about shingles? It's when your body is under a lot of stress and your immunity goes really low. I've never had it before, you know. And so it just, when it rains, it pours. Like I just had so much pain in my body, I guess the body just ended up with shingles. It lasts about three to five weeks. It's very painful. So it's one thing after another. Like, it's like Jovian, right? Now you got like breaking out in boils in the body. Can't talk, can't move. It was horrible, right? So there was no way I could travel to Korea. Just not going to happen. It was very disappointing. That was really depressing because it was like, uh, it represented hope for me in my psyche. You know, this was what I was working on for you know, really hard, and I had hung, I had, you know, put my hopes in it, and to lose that, it was really discouraging. It was like, it wasn't just the fact that I was in pain, just emotionally, to feel like, okay, I'm going to lose this summer. The effect on the family, Caroline, having to travel all this place with three kids, it was hard on her. And I was just missing out on every, everything. You know, I, we had like a role reversal. She likes like staying home. I like moving around. I had to stay home and she had to move around. It was just a hard, hard thing. Very discouraging. You know, when you get your hopes up, like I was getting better, 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 you know. You're starting to feel your hopes up. And then it gets dashed. It's worse than if you never even had the hopes in the first place, right? It's really hard when your hope gets dashed. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, the Bible says. It's really discouraging. So how do we respond when your hopes get dashed? Can you relate? Have you ever had any kind of hope in something and then it gets dashed? Anybody? Yeah, right? I mean, it happens in life. Maybe you're married and and there's this ongoing relational tension and and you work at it and you see therapists and the things get better for a little bit and then the conflicts come back as bad as ever and your heart just falls, right? Or maybe you're at a a dead-end job or something. Your job situation is really hard and, and you hope for a better situation. You hope for a promotion or a change in the job. You hope for better pay, and sometimes you see glimpses of possibilities. Maybe your boss mentions something, or your friend mentions there's a job opening, and you get your hopes up, you go for it, and it doesn't happen. The same as ever. And you go back to this really like hard job that you're stuck in, and, and your hopes get dashed. And that's really hard, right? Or maybe you're single, and you're looking for someone to settle down with. And you're really like, you know, this is time. 
You know, I, I, I was in, in my cohort of people that I was friends with in college, I was one of the last to get married. I was best man three times. <laughs> and, and you sit there, you stand there, and you just think, why am I, you know, just one step over? You know, why am I always here? You know? So you go on dates, and maybe you get a good date, and it looks really good. You had a spark, you think it's going to work, but there is no phone call back. You know? And it just doesn't work out. That's discouraging, right? You get your hopes up, and then you get crushed. That's just a lot worse than if you never had your hopes up in the first place. Right? So what do we do? How do we respond? In my case, I started to look for some kind of a silver bullet solution to all this pain. So I prayed and prayed. And I, I've really seen a lot of miracles. You know, just instant miraculous healings. I've seen that for other people at different times. So prayed. But in my case, in this particular case, God lets me have it. It just never just disappears magically. It's like that thorn in the flesh Apostle Paul talks about in the Bible. I mean, that is a man who like, even resurrected a dead person, but he just can't get this thorn out of his life. God lets him have it. Some, in some cases, God doesn't just remove it. Like magic, he doesn't do it. So I began to look for other silver bullet solutions. And I stumbled on, and my family, and everybody's looking for some solution for me. And, and, and we found this thing called artificial disk. You know, nowadays, they have this artificial disc that you just take your disc out and put an artificial disc in there, like an artificial hip. And it's flexible. And, uh, you know, it works well. And so I thought, hey, this could be my solution. That disc just keeps rupturing. Just take it out. Put in an artificial disc. And you can just keep moving. It's all good. Except the more that I found out about it, apparently in many of the cases, the bones around that artificial disc, it just grows uncontrollably. The body just puts calcium in there. It doesn't know what to do with it. And the bones just keeps growing. And in many cases, it just fuses up. Uncontrolled bone growth down there is just not a good idea, right? And so, hey, you know, that sounds really risky. So, got to put a pause on that one. So, again, (laughs) I had these hopes up. Hey, I found a solution. And it's not a solution. So, again, you feel crushed. No magic solution. What do you do when your hopes keep getting dashed? Well, you can get pessimistic at this point, right? I got pessimistic. You kind of lose heart. You kind of become cynical. You resign yourself. Well, this is just life. This is just reality. So I went from like this, yeah, optimism and faith and hope to this resignation and cynicism, right? Now, which is better? Between hope and reality. Between like, Believing and hoping against all odds, okay, you know, it's going to be great. Just living with that kind of 
positive attitude versus embracing reality and lowering expectations so that you don't get hurt as much when things don't happen. Which is better? I mean, each has its pros and cons, right? I mean, if you embrace reality and lower your expectations, it kind of protects you from those crushing disappointments that can just put you in a dark place. But on the other hand, if you just lower your expectations and just live with resignation, you end up like this Eeyore. Have you heard of Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? I mean, this is a character that is always expecting the worst, right? Oh, it's going to rain. Oh, life is going to suck. I mean, you don't want to live life like Eeyore, right? I mean, that's a classic, you know, case of lowering your expectations. Protects you from disappointments, but also, I don't think very much good's going to happen in your life if you just go through life like this, right? I don't want to be like him. So on the other hand, being optimistic, it makes you vulnerable to crushing disappointments. So what do we do? Well, the Bible has a lot to say about suffering, about hopes getting dashed, about problems and trials that just doesn't end, and how to live through it. There's a very famous passage about hope in the middle of suffering that doesn't end. It's from Romans chapter 5. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's a very powerful passage. It tells us that we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. Isn't that counterintuitive? Is that your first reaction when you run into problems and trials? Oh, yes! Hooray, I rejoice because I'm having problems. That's not my reaction. I mean, that seems really like superhuman, isn't it? Very counterintuitive. When I run into problems and trials, my first reaction is, oh crap, I hate life. This sucks, you know? I mean, even little things can set me off, like if you're waiting for the subway and it just doesn't come. And you can start, like, cussing up a storm. It's a New Yorker mentality, right? You don't go, hooray, it's 100 degrees here in subway station, and it just won't come. I'm going to just dance a jig right now because I'm rejoicing so much. It's crazy, right? I mean, what is... It's very counterintuitive, don't you think? And more than that, it says, suffering produces perseverance, character, and finally, hope. That's weird too. Isn't it ironic that it says that it's the suffering that produces hope? It's problems and trials that produces hope? I mean, wouldn't you think that it's the It's the suffering that doesn't end, that the hope just gets crushed again and again, that that's what eliminates hope, not produces hope. Isn't that weird? That it's the hope, the hope, the suffering, it's problems and trials, not good circumstances that produces hope. 
It's just completely like upside down land here. Right? But I've come to really, you know, in the middle of all the pain, I've come to really believe this is true. This really is true. It's the suffering that produces hope. Because hope is about this internal state of mind. It's not about external circumstances. The Bible says, who hopes for what they already have? Hope is unseen. Who hopes for what they already have? I mean, if we are having good circumstances, I mean, if the good circumstances are our current reality, then that's that's not about hope. Then you're just having a good time. Hope is this internal strength of the soul. This power in your character that allows you to envision a positive future that gives you strength to keep going even when things are not working well. That's what hope is about. Hope is unseen. You don't have it yet. And that's why suffering produces hope. We need character, as this passage says. Character and the power to persevere. These are internal qualities of the soul that will allow for hope to become part of who you are. That you are a hopeful person. And that's a very powerful thing to have. If you want life worth living, you must have this quality. If you don't have this quality, if you don't have the character, if you don't have perseverance, if you don't have hope in your soul, even when things are going well, you will still be very much stressed. You will still feel and worry about things that can go wrong. And I've been there, even when things are good. You can worry about 10,000 different things. Not much peace. You can still become very grumpy, very unattractive, very fragile person who just goes up and down depending on how circumstances go. And even when things are well, you will not have that consistency to be able to have good life. Amen? But with this kind of character... And power to persevere in your soul, even when things are bad, you will be able to rejoice and enjoy the life that God has given you to the best of your potential. That's why these qualities of the soul are so important. Doesn't that sound good? It's absolutely necessary if we want to have a good life. Yeah? And we all want good life, right? So how can we cultivate these qualities? What can we do? Let me give you some practical suggestions on developing these qualities of the soul. My first suggestion is to slow down. Living in New York, it's so easy to just get into this mind that is, this, this state of mind that is just always rushing around. Even when you don't have anything to do, you just feel very busy. You know? And stressed. Because at least you can look at your smartphone and find something to do. 
and you're going around multitasking and rushing around, it doesn't help. There's a lot of research that shows multitasking is a myth. It doesn't work. And you're just rushing around. And when you're in this rushed state of mind, the mind has a tendency to just go to like bad places, dark places, worried places, stressed out places. See, endurance, perseverance requires slowing down. Being prayerful, connected to God, requires slowing down. We need to work on slowing down our internal state of mind. One way to slow down is to practice being focused on one thing at a time. Instead of like thinking about 20 different things at the same time, Just one thing at a time. And what helps with that is throughout the day, because this is very hard to do, throughout the day, just regularly remind yourself to check in and focus. Take a deep breath. At least three times a day, take a deep breath and just check in in your surroundings. Just put your focus on your body around the room, colors, look at the window, look at the, look at those leaves, it's so beautiful, and the sunlight. Just don't take, you don't have to take long, just a minute, just slow down. Check in with God. God, how are you doing? And even if nothing comes back, it's good. Just check in. Check in with yourself, your surroundings, your current reality, with God. Do this at least two, three times a day. And as you do so, as you check in on these one thing at a time, be grateful for whatever you can be grateful for. You look out and you see sunlight hitting a leaf and you can just say, oh, I'm thankful for that. That's beautiful. Check in in your body. You know, oh, I'm thankful that The other discs are working. I only have one disc problem. (laughs) You know, it's not multiple. Right? Just whatever you can be grateful for. Just try to be grateful for. That's important because because when you're rushing around and as your hope gets dashed, the temptation is to go to the what-if land. And uh, as your hope keeps getting dashed, it's really easy to lose touch with your current reality and go to the what if land. What if, what if I didn't make that stupid decision to lie down on the floor and then get up and slipped? What if, what if I, 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 I could go back in time and, and just change that small decision that led to the ski accident, that led to the first degeneration and rupture? Well, what if I could go back? And you could spend like a lot of time just thinking about what if. What if I were Michael Phelps? No back problem, you know? <laughs> you're going to have these fantasies, right? Because when, you, when you're not doing well, you, you'd rather be in the fantasy land, right? That is enemy of faith. Because this is never going to happen. That's not reality. That is not God. It's God of reality. You cannot meet with God in the fantasy land. 
He doesn't, he doesn't exist there because it's fantasy. God, God is the God of the living. God is God of today. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This, my reality right now, whatever is going on, you know, even if I'm in pain, even if you are like waiting for that one person and it never happens, even if you're stuck in a dead-end job, even if you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, no matter what's going on, this is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. God is God of this day. So we rejoice and be glad in it, and that's how you connect to God. And when you connect to God, there's an enormous spiritual strength that can pour into you. Look at how the passage ends. The whole thing hangs on this. God's love has been poured out into our hearts. This is what gives you the ability to rejoice and be superhuman and be counterintuitive. This this spiritual power from the living God that you can feel give you strength and lift you up. So ask for help from God. Ask for renewal of the soul. It will be there. Look at this passage. This is a companion passage in 2 Corinthians. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Isn't that so powerful? It's one of my favorite passages. Powerful passage about how there is renewal of the soul that's promised for all of us. That even when we are wasting away and things look really bad, you can still experience this internal renewal, God's love being poured out into your hearts that just renews you and makes you like a new person. You know, it it really is true. Now, whenever I get in a lot of pain and trouble, Jesus is very close. He really is close by. I felt it. This time, my body was in a lot of pain, but I felt closer to Jesus than I have in a long time. He just was right there. He was like my friend. He came to me and said, look, I'm your friend. I'll be your friend here. I'm with you in your suffering, in your pain, in your hopelessness. I'm just here. And, you know, feeling his presence just makes all the difference. It does. It really does. Lifts you up. Makes you feel better. I didn't get better physically. You know, the suffering didn't go away. The pain didn't go away. But it was all right. I didn't like become depressed and like go on a like a midlife crisis bend and like take like 20 Vicodin at the same time and, you know, do crazy stuff. So it was all right. It's all right. This is going to be all right. You know, I believed, and this really is spiritual gift from God that is promised to every single one of us if we just will turn to God. I, I, could, I could really believe with hope that my life's going to be good. 
Even if suffering and pain doesn't end, life's going to be good because suffering doesn't define my life. God defines my life. My life is in His hands, not my stupid decisions. You know, He's there. He's got my back, you know. And that hope gives you strength to keep going. You can, you can embrace the reality of pain and not deny it. Yeah, I'm in pain. It just keeps happening and doesn't end. Yes, I could be realistic about it, but also hold hope. You can hold both hope and realism, both. It's not a choice between one or the other. It's not a choice between, between being an Eeyore and being a Pollyanna. You can have both because Jesus is both. Jesus holds this duality. He is both man and God. He is both suffering man and triumphant God. He is both the crushing disappointment of the cross and the triumph of the resurrection. He holds both, both reality and hope, both seen, unseen. He is both. So hold both hope and realism. Don't become this magical solution, you know, if I give God 100 bucks, he's going to give me $100,000 back. That's just fantasy, you know, magic solution, unrealistic. <laughs> Be realistic. Understand this is reality. Embrace reality in all, in all of it. But also hold hope. Also hold faith. At the same time, that's the best way to live, yeah? Another thing that will really help you hold both, because these are really hard things to do, you've got to stay connected. Not just stay connected to God, but with a community of faith that are trying to do this together. Have you guys heard this? You know, it's a very famous little, you know, jingle. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. You guys heard that? When, you, when people get in trouble, it's really tempting to get into this mindset, nobody knows the troubles I've seen. You know, you can feel like you're all alone. Nobody else can really relate. You're all alone. You can get into this very isolated, you know, lying in bed. My family is in Korea and Australia. I'm all alone and I can't even talk. You know, in this dark place, you know, just... You can feel you get very isolated. You've got to fight that. You've got to fight this tendency to get lonely and isolated with every ounce of your strength. You've got to stay connected. Make a special effort to connect, especially when you feel like, oh, people don't care. Nobody's my friend. Just fight that and push. You know, there's River Partner Retreat coming up. This is going to be one of our best retreats ever, I think. The guest speaker, he's been putting in a lot of work on how to connect to the story of God as ordinary people. I think it's going to be wonderful. So make an effort to come. It will change your whole experience of this church. You will feel more connected. You've got to come if you can. You know, I'm going to go, even with my back problem. I'm going to try to be there. So if I can go, I think you should be able to make it. No, no, I'm putting on some guilt here. No, don't do anything out of guilt. Ignore that last part. <laughs> But anyway, hope in the middle of suffering. This is one of the most important things we can work on as New Yorkers. 
As New Yorkers, we can get so busy, so preoccupied with getting ahead, making it, rushing around, we can lose sight of this internal strength of the soul that will make all the difference in how good your life turns out. Amen? God is here. God is present. He will help you. This is promised. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you that you are God of hope, that you are God of the living, that you are with us when we are down and out, that we don't have to be afraid of the circumstances going up and down. They will always go up and down. Help us to fix our eyes on what is unseen. For circumstances, what is seen, they are only very temporary. They will keep changing. So help us, O God, to fix our eyes on you, turn to you, help us even this week to check in on you, and help us to experience the lift of the soul that allows for hope to become defining character in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.